0: Episode 91 of the Reinventure Me Podcast. What happens when you just put to use what you already have? I'm going to talk to Bill and Stacy Spencer from the Narrowgate Foundation in this episode of Reinventure Me. Find your next great beginning. Welcome to the Reinventure Me Podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi. Well, hello and welcome to episode 91 of the Reinventure Me podcast. That introductory greeting was only partially true because I'm your co-host, Larry Gates, but Armin Asadi is traveling. So we have the opportunity today to introduce to you a couple that I've known for a little bit of time, I've known a little bit over a year. I'm the president of the National Coalition of Ministries to Men, an organization of Over 200 organizations that come together for the purpose of building up Disciples of Jesus Christ. And one of the members that is part of that organization is an organization called the Narrowgate Foundation. It's led by Bill and Stacey Spencer, a remarkable couple. And uh, partly what's remarkable is that they co-lead this organization together. And they're quite gifted. And I was impressed by what they put together as a ministry to disciple millennials, say so young men between the ages of 18 and 25. And they had, I think, some important lessons as they moved from business into ministry and how that worked with them working together as a couple. So I won't take any more time, but I'll go straight into that interview. And here is Bill and Stacy. Well, I'm in the makeshift studio here in Denver, Colorado, and I have the opportunity to be with Bill and Stacy Spencer there with the Narrowgate Foundation, and I was just totally impressed not only by what that foundation is about, but how they came to start it. So, Bill and Stacy, welcome to the ReInventure Me podcast.
2: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thanks for having us. Oh, it's a pleasure, Bill. Let's start with you. Describe what is Narrowgate.
1: Narrowgate is a discipleship opportunity for young men between the ages of 18 and 25. Now, that sounds pretty cookie cutter, right? Uh-huh. So let's really dig into it. Okay. We seek to make disciples of Jesus by answering two questions Who am I and why am I here? Mm-hmm. There are 17 verses of text in the New Testament about Christ in me, you know, and they're great verses. We hear them preached all the time. Right there are 10 times as many verses, 170 verses about Christ in me. Mm. And they're all descriptive, right? Mm-hmm. Christ, anyone who is in Christ mm-hmm. is a new creation. right? Old things have passed away. Behold, right. all things are made new. Right. Well, if you wake up one day and believe that all those things are really true about you, then everything about your behavior, everything about your thought process changes, and you become literally a disciple of Jesus because you think in the mindset of Christ, which is what Philippians 2 says. So we make disciples of Jesus Christ by introducing people to identity in Christ and then purpose in the kingdom and in the world.
0: Yeah, now that sounds like a very broad thing, but you have a very
1: narrow focus on that. So talk about that for a second. (laughs) It kind of fits the name, right? It It
0: does. (laughs) Well, there you go.
1: Yeah, so what we're trying to do is actually get guys to discover, at the end of the day, we're trying to get guys to discover, how has God built me or wired me? Because we're not all the same. Mm-hmm. You know, Ephesians 4 and Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 all talk about these various parts of the body that do different things to serve the body. So we don't take guys in saying, hey, we're trying to create an army of preachers. That It's great. If and that's you said something important there. Be.
0: You said take guys in. So yeah. talk about that part.
1: Well. It, Stacy and I, uh, about a, a dozen years ago, we met a couple of 19-year-old guys, mm-hmm. and we had already had this encounter with God that's kind of, I guess we'll get into that in a little bit, but we had had this encounter with God where we figured out that everything our life had been, all of a sudden, that's not what life was about anymore. We no. realized that God owned everything, including, quote-unquote, our home and our business and our cars and our money, and if it was all his... And we had a couple of empty bedrooms, and there were a couple of guys that needed a place to stay. Well, why not let them stay in this house that God owns that has empty bedrooms? Mm. And that really is how it began.
0: Yeah, so a big epiphany then. You both kind of moved into this. Stacy, what happened in those early days here that created a shift in your thinking about?
2: Well, for me, it was really meeting Jesus at 33. Uh Uh And so for the first 33 years of my life, I was Lord of my life, and I had a a plan and a purpose for my own life, which included my own grandeur, my own success and my own accomplishments. And uh, when I encountered Christ at the age of 33, everything just changed for me. And all of a sudden, my life was no longer my own. It wasn't about me and my accomplishments and my goals and my visions and my dreams. I really surrendered my life to him and said, Lord, what do you want to make of me? And as he began to introduce Bill and I to these two 19-year-old young men and then two other 19-year-old young men, and by the end of that year, we had seven guys living in our three-bedroom, two-bath house, mm. I began <laughs> to realize God was redefining my life.
0: You didn't feel invaded at all?
2: I did not feel invaded. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because the grace of God. Yeah. It really is. It really was. God was at work in, in our lives and he began to rebuild Bill and Stacy Spencer into what he wanted us to be instead of what we intended us to be at the beginning, if that makes sense it does and, okay. and
0: what I really <laughs> wanted to have us talk about here is that is that shift because you know the reinvent me podcast mm-hmm. is all about these important transitions and how we trust mm-hmm. God for what's next in our lives yeah. now twelve years ago you were doing something different. Bill, what were you doing?
1: Yeah, twelve years ago we were running a software company okay. mean, it was kind of a, an evolution of some other businesses that we had started, mm-hmm. so if you back up the clock even before that yeah Stacey man after my in. own
0: heart by the way, because I run a software company yeah, right there <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, we actually didn't intend to be in the software business. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth is, Stacy was in film and television production. Okay. And she was producing a show that was on the Nashville Network called The Crook and Chase Show. She was producing that television show. I was in the music business. I was running, at the time, I was running Loretta Lynn's music publishing company. She okay. had 11 music publishing companies, so I was running that. We had done various jobs in film and television and music in years gone by, and we woke up one day and went why are we doing this for other people? You know, mm. we're, we're making a lot of money for other people and we're doing okay for ourselves. But if we just sort of stepped away, we could take what we know about business and take what we know about film and television and music and we could employ that and make a whole lot of money for us instead of for somebody else. And then in our heart of hearts, that's what we wanted. okay we wanted and make so a you, bunch of money for ourselves. So you wanted to, at that point in time, about how long
0: ago was that? Oh my gosh, 20 years? 20 years ago. Yeah. So 20 years ago, you made a decision at that point in time to join together to form a business, is that right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Bill and I have have a really unique relationship. I, th- I think as as I've gone and traveled and met more and more and more couples, I realized that God really has given us a unique relationship. We were much older when we got married. I was thirty, and Bill was thirty six. Mm-hmm. So when we joined our lives together, and we were so career. Minded, you were already way independently, down that, already. Yeah. that yeah. That when we came together as a couple, that just sort of became the identity, I would say, of you know our marriage and that we were very career-oriented. Now, the interesting thing, though, is it was only three years into our marriage that Jesus came in and transformed that.
0: Yeah, so you had two transformations, right? So one is mm-hmm. that you decided to move your independent career paths into creating a business for yourself exactly and then you decided at three years into your marriage you met the lord well, and he had a different change uh, of plans decide
1: right? decided is a... Oh, okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, here's what happened um okay. we started this company and just by god's providence without us knowing it the company did really really well uh-huh. our one of our very first clients we started a a media company so uh-huh. we were doing new media at the time you know digital video was a brand new idea, right? So we were actually putting video on CD-ROMs and sending out with salesmen. And one of our first clients was Lucent Technologies. So we just sort of fell into this thing nice. and it, and it mean, went really a nice well. Nice big client. Yeah. Right. And, and we did well for Lucent. I uh-huh. mean, the things that we were doing, they were really impressed with. And so, you know, if you do good, they give you more. And that was right. growing, growing, growing. And we woke up one day and realized that film and television production, that's kind of a commodity. Mm-hmm. And the thing that they really liked is that we could take that commodity and take it to the leading edge of technology, make it portable for their salespeople who are out, mm-hmm. you know, pushing new goods and services. Mm-hmm. And the technology was really where it was going. So we split the company mm-hmm. and got rid of half of it. And, you know, that's all well and good. And the technology part carried on. We're developing software and we, Got client after client after client. We had a financial services client had this really forward thinking thing they were doing with money investment. It's really smart. We don't have time to get mm-hmm, into it. But mm-hmm. they knew about us and they said, Hey, could you build this thing for us? And of course the answer is always yes. Because mm-hmm. if, if you can dream it well, up, that's you a can true
0: entrepreneurial it. answer, right? Well, yes. Yeah, 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 I don't know how, but we're <laughs> gonna figure it
1: that's out. It. Right? <laughs> so can you build it? Well, of course, yeah. If yeah. you can describe it, I can build it. Okay. So that's so can you build it? Yes, we can build it. Well, that client we had a, a new iteration, you know, version two point, whatever, of their software. We delivered it and we went through the product, and they said, This is great. This is exactly what we wanted. And then they asked this question So, what are you guys doing for dinner tonight? It's a Wednesday night, right? Uh-huh. What are you doing for dinner tonight? And when a client, I mean, come on, you're a business right. guy, right? When a client says, "What are you doing for dinner tonight?" and it's a client with deep pockets, right. your answer at you that point out is how to clear your schedule. exactly, it's nothing. And behind your back, you know, you're sending texts and you're, oh, "I'm right. doing nothing. Right. I'm going to dinner with you." Yeah, exactly. Then he said, "These magic words, great. I'll call my wife and she'll just join it." Okay, now we're not only having dinner with the client, yeah, but the client social, is why. Right? Oh yeah, now, yeah. It's, now it's now it's, it's personal. Deeper, right? It's great, yeah. and we're happy because these guys have a lot of cash, right. and that's what we want. We want a lot of cash. <laughs> So I looked at Stacy, and you he know, like, hey, what are we doing for dinner? And Stacy, you know, nothing. So he said, Good, I'll call my wife. He got off the phone. And he said, Great. Now here's the trick. He said, She's going to meet us down at the church. They're having a spaghetti dinner to raise money for the homeless population in Nashville. That was a turn you did not expect. See, we didn't choose it. He tricked us into going to church. Uh-huh, uh-huh, he okay, so all gotcha. the business guys that are listening to this, you can t- if you've got cash and you're paying your subs, you can trick them it's, into going to church. It's the old money talks, right? Exactly. So now we can't get out of it because we already said we're free for dinner. Mm-hmm. So we showed up. What we didn't know is that was in 2002. What we didn't know is that that night, Jim Simbla from Brooklyn Tabernacle oh, was sure. going to be at this church building with the last survivor from the World Trade Center collapse. Mm. And she became a believer in that catastrophe. Mm. And she gave her testimony, and he preached. And honestly, I could not have told you anything he said at the end of the night. <laughs> and I saw the weirdest thing. My wife, uh, I'd only seen my wife cry one time in all the years we've been together. Mm-hmm. She, was a, she was a businesswoman. That's mm-hmm. one of the things I loved, right? Mm-hmm. And, and she, that night. She saw a softened heart. No, it wasn't softened. It was shattered. Shattered. <laughs> Is, yeah. Was that fair? Yes,
2: that's very fair.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my wife. And the, the sad thing is, to the humiliating thing to admit is that mine was too, and mm-hmm. we stood there, weeping. I don't mean crying. Yeah. I mean, we stood, we stood in the balcony of this church building sobbing. And you know how there's the pretty people on the movies that cry? Yeah. We're not pretty criers. Uh-huh. We're the ugly criers. Uh-huh. We're, we uh-huh. call it right. snot bubble crying. You know, that's, so we're <laughs> snot bubble crying. The next day, our client was so scared, he called us up just to make sure we're okay. Stacy answered the phone.
2: He's she, like, are you okay? I mean, y'all left kind of quickly last night. I'm like, no, we're not okay. I'm a wretch. Oh my God. Oh what
0: my did God. you do to me? <laughs>
1: yeah. So really in short, what happened, Larry, is we encountered God that oh, night. That's great. God just said in, in one breath, God said, you're done. Uh-huh. All of your greed, all of your, you know how that song goes, all of my ambitions, hopes yeah. and plans, yeah. I surrender into your yeah. hands. He did that that
0: Okay, night. so let's, let, let, I'm, I'm interested in day two or day three, you know, like, so you had this huge transformational experience, mm-hmm. right, where you realized the path of pursuing money was not what it was about. Yeah. And you decide you're going to change things. So, what was the what was some of the practical discussions that you two had? Because you're already in business together. And by the way, see, I think that's remarkable because you know. In my home, we have two Indians and no chief. You know, if we try to paint a bedroom together, my, my wife and I, it's a disaster. because you know We're like, you go pick a different part of the house and be a mm-hmm, chief over there. Mm-hmm, right, know? right, right. So I'll Let's I, share our
2: territory. I'd
0: love to hear some of your challenges as yeah, it, as it well, relates to, you know.
2: You know right after ministry. that experience, um, I, I was a new believer. And so I, there was a, a big learning opportunity for me. Yeah. And so Bill and I would go to church every time it opened up. And, and I just wanted to know what God's will was for my life, what God's Word said. I had come from a completely unchurched family. So I was very pursuant of, God, who... Who are you? Mm -hmm. Now that I've encountered you, your presence, who are you and what do you want to say to me? Mm -hmm. And as I began to dig into his word, I realized and I read stories about how Sarai became Sarah Mm -hmm. and how Saul became Paul. And I read these transformational stories and I realized that that's what God wanted to do in my life. And so I'll just share real quickly. When Bill and I got married, I was so focused on my professional life that I kept my maiden name. Mm -hmm. So for the first three years of our marriage, I kept the name Stacy Goforth, who was that was my maiden name. Mm-hmm. And after encountering God and reading these stories in the text, I realized that person had been crucified with Christ. That person mm. had died to themselves. And there was a new person that was being born. And I that's when I adopted the Spencer name and I became Stacy Spencer. And so it was a journey of asking God repeatedly and in tears, like Bill said, God, what do you want to do with our lives? And we surrendered everything over the next two years, I guess, piece by piece as best we knew until the time that we met these 219 19-year-old young men. And we weren't planning to start a ministry. Mm-hmm. It was not our intention. We weren't asking God, hey, we want to start a ministry. We were saying, what do you want to do with our lives? And what do we have to offer? Well, we had a three-bedroom, two-bath house, and we lived there by ourselves. We didn't, didn't have any children. We weren't planning on having children. So we had bedrooms.
0: So You know what I love about what you're saying, Stacy, is that It's not about figuring out what do you want to do, but what do you want me to do with what we already have?
2: Yes, absolutely. Exactly. Asking God, what what have you already given me? How do you want to use that? And so it started with the physical reality. So we had extra room in our home. So we invited some guys that needed a place to live that could live with us. And then it was like, well, you have a company. It's like, yeah, but our little software development company, I mean, this isn't, you know, we didn't have hundreds of employees. Right. This is a small little business that we yeah. were running. And God said, well, why don't you give them jobs in your company? These guys weren't qualified. They're 19-year-old college dropouts. <laughs> but we could give them a little money to keep them in our business so that we spent time with them. Yes. And so literally they're living in our home. You know
0: what you're doing? You were doing the same thing that that guy just did to you, right? Giving you a little money to keep you here. Hey, it works.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So if if God entrusts resources to us and and we're supposed to be stewards of those resources, you know, every steward that's ever existed was first a slave. Right. That's what a steward is. You're a slave, a servant who has proven themselves so trustworthy that the master elevates you to a position of management. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what a steward is. Mm -hmm. Well, we had these resources, and God's just saying, why don't you just use what I own to affect somebody else's life, just like the guy did for you? And, of course, at that point, we had already said this prayer that said, anything, anytime, anywhere, we don't care. You just use us. I mean, use us till we're used up. We're here. So giving these guys a few hundred bucks a week so that we can hang out with them at work, bring them back with us at night at home, eat dinner with them, watch the stupidest TV shows ever put on television because that's what they wanted to watch, but literally joining them in their life, right? Mm -hmm. And having fun with them. What's a few hundred dollars here and there if it's God's money anyway, and we can afford to do it?
0: Yeah. You know what I like about what you're saying here is, and your experience bears this out, you know, Ephesians 5.15 says, make the most of every opportunity. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say make the most opportunities. And you guys are just saying, what have I got? What's here? What does God want to do with what I've got? And yeah. the, you've got a software business. Yeah, it generates a little extra cash. How do I keep them near? Sure. You've got some bedrooms you can open up for these guys. Now that's turned into what? Talk about the fruit of that ministry that you guys have started.
2: So what happened was as Bill and I surrendered all the different resources and aspects of our life and God started moving these young men into our house, he started revealing things in us that we never knew existed mm-hmm. I saw things come out of my husband that I had never seen come out. I saw my husband sit down and talk about the Bible in ways I never even knew he knew the Bible that way and <laughs> uh, you know jaw
0: drops a little bit yeah i right? 'm like
2: wow and, you know we hadn 't been married but three years, but still And I would venture to say that there were things that maybe he saw come out of me as well because I, for the first time, had people in my home besides my husband that I could love. And Larry, as a very career-oriented woman who didn't intend to have children, had no desire to have children, to watch God take my heart and turn it towards these young men and reveal his love in me, through me, to these young men and watch that change their life, there was nothing that I desired any more than that. And so at the uh, end of that first year Bill and I sat down with these young men's parents and we said, we believe God's doing something tremendous. And it was obviously a fruitful thing. These young men's lives were transformed. And so God was obviously in it. And we said, hey, we've never started a ministry. We don't know that we want to start a ministry, but obviously God started a ministry in our home. He's he's changing lives. We want to continue to see this Bear out. Mm-hmm. We want to do this more. We want to surrender more and more into his plan for our life. Will you help us? So these parents came alongside us and helped us do the officials of forming the nonprofit, yeah, so putting the together a board of C3 directors, going, the 501c3 yeah. and all those things. So mm-hmm. we had, we had help in that. And we had accountability as a young married couple. You know, we'd only been married three years. We wanted to see our, our marriage persevere through the launch of this ministry. We weren't willing to sacrifice that for the ministry. And so, over the past eleven years, it's grown, and we've had the privilege now to have over two hundred and fifty young men that have continued to live with us. And We live with the young men now, in our property that we have. We've moved out of our little three-bedroom, two-bath house. When did
0: you get a property? And
2: uh, we've moved into a hundred and twenty-two-acre, beautiful piece of property in Middle Tennessee, and the young men continue to live with us, and we've. Just grateful to be able to see God continue to change lives.
1: Oh, that's, yeah. that's terrific. We had these two guys working in our company, and they changed. They started transforming, because that's what happens. Yeah. Anybody that really meets Christ, yeah. then you begin to die, and Christ begins to come to life inside of you. Right. And we had a, a business client, one of our associates came up one day and said, hey, I've been watching these two guys. And this is eight months into the process. I've been watching these two guys, and they're really different than when you guys, yeah, they're really different. Well, I've got a nineteen-year-old son down in Georgia. Matter of fact, he just got kicked out of a whole county in Georgia. <laughs> Would you mind having lunch with him? Mm-hmm. Well, that's how it had started with these two guys. Sure. So just lunch. So we had lunch with this business associate's son, and he brought a buddy. And I mean, they were they were baked. I mean, they, these guys were just gone. They'd been drinking and smoking all oh. morning and long. And so they showed up, messed up at lunch. <laughs> And, of course, we had our two guys living with us with them. Oh, good. And by the end of lunch, they were like, hey, y'all want to come out and have supper tonight? So we invited these two guys to come out and have supper, and they showed up, and we told them this idea that these two 19-year-old guys had come up with to create this place where young men could discover who they are and why they're here. And they said, but we need a couple of students to be like guinea pigs so we could try it out. You guys want to be the guinea pig students? I don't know if they were just too drunk and high to know what they were saying yes to, but they said yes at the end of the day. Uh-huh. And the same thing happened again. Oh. They met Jesus, and they started changing. Huh. And people were watching. Well, by the end of that year, like Stacy said, seven guys were living in our house, and we knew we had to do something different. Yeah. I had a buddy that had a, just started a kid's camp, a Christian kid's camp. Uh-huh. It only had one building on the whole property. Mm. And we went to him and said, could our guys camp on your property? We put up tents. Could they camp on your property and help you build your property? It was a way for us to oh, get yeah, our sure. guys, you know, some kind of a more a permanent yeah. situation. because We built out the basement in our house and bunk beds, and it just, it was getting a little crowded. <laughs> the problem is that was almost an hour away. Mm-hmm. But this guy said, yes. So we put them over there. So Stacy and I would get up and we'd go to our office building every day and we'd work till, you know, 435 o'clock. And then we would drive that hour over to where the guys were at this camp. We'd sit at a picnic table outside, January, July, it didn't matter, mm-hmm. sit outside, eat supper with them at a picnic table, study the Bible till, you know, 9, 10 o'clock, talk about life, hang out with them. And then 9 or 10 o'clock at night, we'd drive back to our house, get home about 11, 1130, go to bed, get up, go to work, work till 5, drive over, eat mm-hmm. dinner, spend the night, go home, drive. That starts getting old after yeah. a while. But we did that for two years. Okay. And after two years of doing that, we said, look, this isn't working out. There was some equity in our home, and you know, God was little by little taking this idol of money and possessions away from us. And we figured out it would be more intelligent for us to just sell our home. So the house went away. Everything went away. The accounts went away. Eventually, the business was given to our employees because it was an, it's something that we idolized. Uh-huh. And we got a rental place over by this camp. Mm-hmm. and we lived that way for a year, so we just reversed the process. We'd wake up in this rental home, drive to work, come back to the rental home, but at least we were there, right? Yeah, We'd right. have to drive mm-hmm. at night, and a year into that, we we told our board of directors, we really need a home. Narragate needs a home, so two people on our board appointed themselves the property committee, and they found this retreat center that was up for sale, wow. and they made the decision that they were going to Acquire this retreat center, and that was going to become Narragate's home. Wow. They had the means to do that. Oh, that's awesome. And they acquired it, and they said, this is going to be Narragate's home, and for as long as Narragate exists, this will be Narragate's home. Oh, so true. God literally dropped us into the property where we are now. That's true. And Larry, that has happened again And again and again. And just trusting God with what you have, being faithful to it, and He gives you the increase. Thank you for saying it. Because that's what I I was going to finish by saying. If people could just understand, if you would just pick your foot up and put it in front of you, not knowing where it's going to land, I Mm. promise you there's a solid step for it to fall on. But sometimes you have to trust God enough to walk in obedience. Even when the light is really dim in the next step, you got to go ahead and take the next step.
0: Yeah. Now I want to pivot our conversation a little bit because you guys have for what would be for many people enviable relationship and that you're doing this together. Because a lot of couples are married and they're, you know, the guy's off doing his job and sure. the wife might be off doing her job too. And they get whatever time they get or are kind of on the margins. They don't have every day with each other. And, you know, for some, that's probably good because they might kill each other if they yeah, did as it. Possible. At that time possible. But what? how would you advise someone who who has a burden or a heart, a couple that says, you know, we want to do something together? What s- practical steps would you give them to? think through and to talk about what are, what are some of the things that Can you consider? consider. Yeah.
1: Please. Okay. There's a story in John four. Everybody knows it. it's the woman at the well, right? Sure. Uh-huh. And Jesus shows up and he's talking to this woman and we focus on the fact that, you know, she's had five husbands and the guy she's got now. If you look at that phrase, he says, woman, go and get your husband. And she says, I have no husband. This is what he says. And when you see it in the original language is even more powerful because there's this poetry fashion. He says, you have spoken Well, Insane that you don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five, and the man you have now isn't your husband, but in this, you spoke truly. Well, the word well, when he starts that off, that's honest. Mm. You've spoken honestly. Mm -hmm. You told me you didn't have a husband. You've had five. The guy you got now, that's not your husband. But see, you told the truth. In Greek, when you bookend something like that, it's like putting exclamation points onto it. It's like, this is what I want you to hear. Okay. Now, the, the middle is just the content. Okay. Okay. Now, let yep. me tell you the truth. Yep. I know you've had five husbands. I know the guy you're living with now you're not even married to. I know you live a shameful life. But don't you see? You told the truth. You tell the truth. I see good in you. Mm-hmm. If I could give any piece of advice to husbands in America- mm-hmm. Find the quality or qualities in your wife, in her life, Mm -hmm. that are the qualities of God. Call them out and Mm -hmm. call them up Mm -hmm. because you don't actually add improvement in people's life, primarily through correction. Right. You add it through encouragement. Mm -hmm. People respond to esteem. Mm -hmm. My wife does so much good that I genuinely look at her with admiration. Mm -hmm. I just, I'm I'm stunned at what she's accomplished at who she is, at the heart she possesses, at the mind she has. So good leadership always says this, if I have the right people on the team, all I have to do is inspire them with the vision and equip them with the resources and get out of their way. Mm -hmm. They're not going to do it perfectly, but the worst thing I can do as a leader is to take it back when they fail. Mm -hmm. I could offer some advice but I can't take back responsibility. Mm-hmm. I know what my wife does better than me. Mm-hmm. I'm very aware of it. Mm-hmm. So those so. are the things that she manages, and she knows what I do well, and she lets me have those. Mutual admiration, mutual respect. In not that what Paul says in yeah. Ephesians 5? Yeah. Wives, submit to your husbands, but husbands, live every day. Exhaust yourself for the good of your wife. Well, that's just co-submission. That whole thing starts by saying, submit to one another. So can I, can I ask if maybe what you're inferring
0: here, Bill, and all of this, is if you haven't practiced the art of admiring your spouse, then you're probably not ready to launch a ministry to help others. <laughs> yes. Is Thank that, you for that saying fair, it. <laughs> is that a fair way to put it?
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah, That's, that's an incredible and, fair and, way to put and it.
0: And isn't that uh, a little bit maybe the whole theme of our conversation today? Work on what you already have. You know, you had open bedrooms, but maybe what you have is an open opportunity with your spouse to speak into them and and help build them up.
1: I guess it works both ways, doesn't it? Don't the wives see things they want to improve in their husbands?
2: (laughs) Well, absolutely, absolutely. But we have to trust that God's going to do that. You know, my job is to uh, love Bill, and God's job is to change Bill. not my that's not my job that's how i view it when i work with these young men our job is to love these young men it's god's job to change people i can never change anybody but certainly identifying the strengths that your spouse has and recognizing your weaknesses and recognizing bill's weaknesses out of love my strongest desire is to come in and support the areas he's weak And the same, I know he feels the same way for me, and he knows the areas I'm weak. And so if I'm focusing on, okay, here's an area of weakness for Bill, instead of me trying to get Bill to change that weakness as his partner, I come alongside and say, hey, I have a strength there, let me contribute in this way, because I have a strength there. He does the same for me. So it's that co-submission and that co-operation, if you will. So it's okay to acknowledge that there are weaknesses in my spouse. I don't ignore those, but I don't, don't try to change those. I want to bring out the great things of Bill, surround him with people. If I'm not good at an area he's weak in, then I want to get staff members or volunteers or board members to come alongside my husband and strengthen the areas where he needs it. And I feel like you would probably say the same for me.
1: I absolutely would. Matter of fact, this may be a silly, but practical way to explain it. If your wife has a blouse or a pair of slacks or some outfit that she wears that you think really looks good on her, try this sometime. Just when she wears it, just tell her, you know what? I really like that shirt on you. That, that, you look really cute in that. Say it. Watch mm-hmm. what happens. Mm-hmm. I promise you you're going to see that shirt again real quickly. Yeah. It's going to come back out of the closet. It's going to get a little higher cycle time in yeah. the rotation.
0: It, Bill, that's never the problem though. <clears throat> the problem is always when she asks, "How does this look on me?" <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where us guys need some help on how to maneuver that the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: can, can I um <laughs> I can tell you that in our experience, if my wife says, how does this look on me? She's asking, not just because she wants a hollow compliment. She wants the truth. Right. And I can actually tell her. Yeah. It looks okay. I like that other thing better. Yeah, no, that's what and, I do too. And I can and I can say it that way. Yeah. You know, so yeah, no, but you gotta tell them the truth it makes you look fat. Okay, that's that's just idiocy. Right. That, that's just some good old we yeah. got a whole nother the layer we have to work on. In love. Yeah, the truth in love. So we take that same principle and employ it with our guys. When they do a thing that actually is godly, that is loving, it is selfless, it is loving, joyous, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle. Self-controlled. Pull that when it's out. the man, immediately we start talking about it, and I mean we talk about it incessantly because they will migrate to put that into the rotation of their life more frequently. And every time they exercise a godly attribute, it gives no provision. Through the flesh mm-hmm. to the sin, yeah. and we and we literally watch sinful practices diminish step by step as godly practices take their place, and that's transformation.
0: That is transformation. You know, we could talk about this all day long. I know, but our time is up. And I just want to thank you, Bill and Stacy, again for coming on the Reinventure Me podcast.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Great to be with you guys. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Bill and Stacey Spencer. They are a terrific couple. And, you know, when I was listening to them in the interview here, just was reminded that there are so many things that we have that are assets that we don't really even use. And they just took a look around, and they had these assets, and they just decided, I'm going to put them to use. And just imagine for yourself what might happen when you do the same when I do the same. And so that's perhaps our challenge from this episode. If you want to learn more about the Narrowgate Foundation and Bill and Stacy, we'll have their a website on our show notes at reinventure.me/91 and would love to have you leave a comment for them or for me at reinventure.me/91 or our Facebook page or feel free to call our show line at 612 Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Reinventure Me, and I look forward to talking to you next week. You've been listening to the Reinventure Me podcast with your hosts, Larry Gates and Armin Asadi.